Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Shot of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. Today, we're recapping Dark, Season 3, Episode 6. This one's called Light and Shadow. I would be remiss if I did not mention that there is a Wheel of Time chapter called Light and Shadow as well. There always is. Such parallels. Let's get to another parallel. She is also your host. She's the host of one of my stories, and she's got our written recap for us. It's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. <laughs> We're ready for episode six. Oh, so ready. Like, remember last episode was uh, ended with Jonas dying and stuff. So <laughs> this one was a nice uh, reprieve from that, I think. I think this one came back with a banger. Also, yeah, it's quite a banger, and it's a double banger because it's the last written recap I have still. So I need to get <laughs> oh, busy no. on that on that episode seven recap coming Just up. Just in time for is, Christmas. Yeah, lighting the fire underneath me. So maybe you can do um, episode seven on Christmas Day, and then you can do episode eight on New Year's Eve instead of going out to party. How's that sound? <laughs> That sounds like a bummer, Steve, but... It is. <laughs> I mean, that's my kind of party. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but hey, I wanted to start off with some corrections. I'm going to go back before we really get into our thing here, because um, I said something wrong um, two episodes back that we didn't catch. Well, we caught it, but nobody else caught it. Um, I attributed The Stranger to Jim Croak. And it's actually um, Leonard Cohen's song who influenced our friend. Um, hmm, what is that fella's name who did that song for us a couple episodes back? It's um, something Abbotson. It's the same person that wrote Twisted Olive Branch, Asif right. Abaddon. That's right. And he attributed, like he said, that he was influenced heavily by Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. Not Jim Crokey, maybe, I don't know, but that, I just got the two guys mixed up because they had the same amount of letters in their last name. I think that's what happened there. <laughs> um, so another thing I got wrong too was last, I didn't get it wrong, but I just got a, a correction and a dressing down, I suppose, um, for one of our listeners named Heather, who's also my wife. Uh, she listened last episode and she was talking about the, I was talking about the burl trees and saying, you know, how they have these you know, these big growths on them, but they're, they're non-tumorous. They're non-cancerous. That's wrong. They are tumorous. They are cancerous. So it fits mm-hmm. in even better with our story. Heather corrected me and was like, yeah, those are, you know, those are cancerous, tumorous growths, which don't really affect the tree terribly, but you know that you got that wrong. So I needed to correct that for her. If she's listening now, give her some credit. That's it. Heather, keep keep calling Steve out. It's it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's you and Lindsay right can like team up good on that one. <laughs> but yeah, she gave me good feedback as well. I mean, she's my wife, so you, she, actually, no, she doesn't have to because she did tell me I got the burl wrong, and she does tell me when I edit things wrong and when I do a bad job. And she liked the last episode, so that's that's good feedback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got some feedback from us too, don't you, Lindsay? Well, yes, your buddy Dylan, our buddy Dylan, but I kind of think of him as your buddy because you're the he's one my that talks to more. But yeah, yeah, now he's my bro. <laughs> oh, so that's I, cool. um, I can share him. Yeah, I got some a message here from Dylan. He says that to mention how impressed he is with us and me, my note taking and 
And he says, allow me mm -hmm. to exalt you. And I'm like, okay, yes, you can do, <laughs> do that. <laughs> and then Steve is always articulate and well-spoken. Hmm. And he doesn't think he could consider another podcast. So oh, it's us dang. or nothing. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah, don't listen to Pod Save America. Don't check that out. Don't check out Who Charted. Just listen to us. <laughs> Only us. I like that. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm assuming he means our podcast about dark. Oh, um, okay. All right. <laughs> not like never listen to any he could never listen to any other podcast again, but he, he just says, I don't know that I'd consider another podcast. So great. We'll Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate it. Compliment, My boy. <laughs> and yeah, I heard that um, you got recap from our from your website, too. Right. Or are we going to get into that later on? We are. If you're talking about the feedback from the Facebook group, I was going to save that for in the actual recap. OK, hold your horses, Holger. We'll get to you later. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I didn't have anything really up top to go into here. I think maybe next week um, I'll probably release the episode I did with Corwin, which was a blast. We had a great time um, talking about Wheel of Time last week. Um, so I'll probably release that next week, and hopefully me and Lindsay will be back the week after that, or maybe the week after that. But um, yeah, let's get into our episode six, because I'm eager to get into it. Light and shadow, Lindsay, what do you think? Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. Light and shadow. This episode opens with a replay of the apocalypse. In a bird's eye view of Winden, the black blob appears and covers the entire power plant. We cut to the Conwald house. Jonas promises to OG Marta that he will make things right. Snot and tears run down his face. But this time, no alt Marta shows up to drag Jonas to world two, Eva's right. world. This time, Jonas runs into a stairwell and escapes into the basement. Right before the apocalypse hits. Right. Stranger Jonas then wakes up in 1888. He pulls out the envelope he found from Marta addressed to Jonas. And he opens the letter and reads it. Now, I'm going to read the transcript of the letter here. But did you have any thoughts about this Jonas thing? Or you can save it for later, too, as we say more. Sure. I'll um, just interrupt real quick and say mm -hmm. that... Um... Yeah, this really surprised me. Um, it, it threw me through a loop here. A lot of things in this episode threw me through a real loop, and I found myself writing down a lot of question marks. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, a lot of those question marks were answered by the end of this very episode. So some of the conundrums that I had are addressed here, and I like that. So the biggest question I had here about Stranger Jonas, how is he having this dream? Um, it's kind of answered by the end of the episode, which I love. The other thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, of course, when the apocalypse happens, we got the black, big black blob that happens over the power plant. Mm -hmm. And that made me remember the Regina and Alexander moment just randomly at the end of, I think it was episode one. And it wasn't during the apocalypse. They mm. were sitting in their car and they saw it happen. Um, right. I want to revisit that maybe on a later episode. Unless you had like a quick answer for that, or do you have an answer for that? Because I I was really confused by that point. Yeah, like what was happening at that moment that they had yes. the little mini, it was like almost like a mini apocalypse. Well, it was clear in the sky. So I would think that yeah. more people than just them saw it. Mm -hmm. But was it over the power plant? I'll have to revisit yes. it as well. 
Yeah, we'll, t- we'll maybe talk about that um, in an upcoming episode. I'll let you continue with what you got there. Yeah. Um, I will. The one thing I want to say is that we had, I think the last episode, we also had some Jonas information. And you were mentioning like, oh, this clarifies the Jonas situation for me. And I was like, well, I think I got clarified <laughs> more on this episode. Um, Mm -hmm. because there was that whole question again, like the question we keep repeating, which is how did Jonas, um, if Jonas dies, how did Jonas, you know, become older and now we're getting some of that but, um, yeah, it's just a little interesting because we're like, okay, we know that Alt-Marta came to save him. So then. You kind of, he's looking at her body and then he kind of stands up like he's waiting for something to happen and then nothing (laughs) happens and we are too. And then we just see him like run into this closet, which was interesting because I thought that was the front door because I remember he also, that's also like spatially. (laughs) The the house. Yeah. yeah, That's also where Katerina, Mm -hmm. when she broke into the house, she came from that direction. So now I'm kind of like, okay, where's the front door? And compared to this secret <laughs> panel basement that was in the house, yeah, they um, had a they had a um, they had a bunker too, apparently, in their basement mm-hmm. that he could survive the apocalypse. Um, right. I'll buy it. You know, they're they're a ready town. Oh, so okay, so the letter we finally get to mm-hmm. see the contents of this letter. It right. says, "Dear Jonas, you promised to make everything right again. I want you to know you will do that." You must never lose hope that there is a way out of this maze, a way to save me and you. But we both have to make sacrifices, do unimaginable things, to untie the knot at the end. Each fate in this knot is tied to the next. A thread, red like blood, that connects all our deeds in light and in shadow. But the apocalypse must take place. You must let me die so I can live. We have to let some things go before they find their way back to us. We are a perfect match. Never believe anything else. Heck yeah. Like by the end of the, by the end of this episode, these words make a lot more sense as well. They kind of like wraps back around on itself. And one of my first questions was, where did he get this letter from? Who, when exactly did Martha give him this letter? Mm-hmm. It's answered later in this very, very same episode. So we'll see it when it comes. Well, this, um, well, we already saw him get the letter in the first world. He was sitting, waiting. Remember, he had the gun. He was waiting for Adam to show up. And then Hanno or Noah shows up, teen Noah. And he's like, mm-hmm. here's this letter from Marta. Mm-hmm. Um. So we did see him get the letter earlier. We also see him get the letter. We see someone deliver this exact same letter later on in this episode. Right. After he burns the letter. Right. Which we see him do that too. Yeah. A little little bootstrap action. (laughs) Um, Because all we saw in that original thing is he gets the letter and then he kind of runs out of the house and says, grabs a suitcase, time machine, (laughs) and just is like, uh, Noah says, you have to go save them. So then he goes to save the teen team. But it was like they got Jonas out of the way so that um, Adam could come and do do his dirty work. Um, so I have some more thoughts about the letter later on, but um, so we see Marta too 
sitting by Jonas's dead body. And then the Marta who shot Jonas looks up. Mm-hmm. And she's standing next to Stranger Marta and Eva. And all three of them look at the God particle, which shifts from stable to unstable. Yeah, they got the, they got the solar panels on their side in Eva's world. Again, a very smarter method. Much smarter. <laughs> Those panels. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it, yeah, I didn't understand the panels or like why they have those solar panels. They're probably gravity, probably gravity based or something, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. I just wanted to go back on the letter. Mm-hmm. First off, she's a super like, of course, Martha is going to throw in some, some Ariadne in mm-hmm. there because she's like a super fan. Um and then I was also wondering, you know, Wheel of Time and Game of Thrones, people like like to use the lore of the show and like the loving words of the show in like their everyday language and like their marriage proposals. I wonder how many dark um, couples and fans have incorporated these words, some of these words, like into their wedding or to like their words to one another, like, you know. You know, what is the main one? We're a perfect match. Never believe anything else. You know, these are perfect wedding words. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, anybody out there ever use these with, with your with your other? Let me know. Right. But who, how many people used a thread red like blood that connects all our deeds? <laughs> I want to know those people. Tell um, Lindsay them. A little more, a little more interesting. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. But this 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 letter is interesting because she's almost I guess the point is to like make sure that he lets the apocalypse happen. Right. Like yes. what's the you know, when you think about what's the purpose of this letter? Is to like so to that the reinforce loop the sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, to reinforce the sacrifice and to reinforce what they're doing. But then she kind of makes this promise. Um I want you to know you will do that. So that that makes me feel curious, like, why she would put that line in there. You mean the first line, you promise to make everything right yeah, again? Yeah, you promise to make everything right again. Then the next line is, I want you to know you will do that. Right. Um, I think because... Eva explains it later on how like the infinity symbol has like two loops. So two things have to happen. So he's going to do both things. And she knows that, (laughs) but you know, to tell him that would blow his mind, I guess. So you can only give them as much information as they need at the moment. But neither one of them really wants Jonas to be able to make everything right. So I'm just, I guess they're just dangling this, you know, carrot in front of him, you know, (laughs) that, how? quote unquote make it yeah. right yeah <laughs> that can be loosely interpreted i guess um it's a little it's a little aggravating i guess that um oh yeah <laughs> to think about yeah but to think about marta now yeah does marta ever really write the letter you know it's another question we need to explore a little bit later but well we see older martha doing it but i guess yes but it's kind of like it's very yeah that that scene is very much the same as like mickle writing his letter he wrote the letter because he was told to write the letter but yeah we'll get Uh, there michael mickle yeah i gotcha okay 
<clears throat> yeah, Eva was probably holding a gun to her head, telling her to do it. That's yeah. right. There's this is like this is another big mirroring. This letter is another big mirroring moment. This whole episode, lots of letter mirroring. Oh, sure. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. After we after we read this letter, we then get the picture of Marta too sitting by Jonas's dead body. Then, um, then there's the three different generations of Martas looking at the God particle. Mm-hmm. In World One, Alt Marta walks in front of the girl yes, from the future, yes, yes. who holds her at gunpoint. The girl from the future forces her into a cage. Alt Marta wonders aloud why Adam is doing this. Elsewhere, Adam stands in his creepy trench coat, <laughs> looking at the unstable God particle in his world. Adam looks down at his hands, holding the letter. We then cut to Stranger Jonas reading the same letter. After he finishes reading, he burns the letter. Stranger Jonas does an echo of the time he tried to burn his father's letter in a similar way. Um, Stranger Jonas has just been abandoned by Alt Marta, and it's left to the viewer to decide if he's trying to honor Marta's wishes to let her go so she can live, or if he actually wants to forget Marta after she left him. When he burns his father's letter, he chooses to let go of Mikkel in favor of the hope of being with Marta. Even if we don't understand his actions, it's still a cool parallel. We might, we see multiple Martas and are still trying to piece together the difference between some of them. At least I was. (laughs) Uh, One conundrum remains. We saw two versions of what happens when Marta dies. In one version, Alt-Marta appears and saves Jonas he then dies. And in the other version, Jonas hunkers down during the apocalypse and reappears as Stranger Jonas. That Jonas is alive and kicking in 1888. So which version is true? Both versions are true. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Both versions are true. Both versions <clears throat> have to happen in order for this whole loop to be complete. That's, yeah, my, well, we that's don't... my short answer. Right. But we, at this point in the episode... We didn't oh, yeah. have that explanation. We're confused. Yeah. We're confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we have the title credits. Um, any thoughts about that question, though, Steve? Um, when he, why did Stranger Jonas, why do you think Stranger Jonas burned Alt Marta's letter? I don't know. I kind of had a problem with it. Um, I think it's kind of. I'm looking you in the eye, by the way. So this is mm-hmm. like me looking you in the eye. <laughs> um, I think it is a little bit of him becoming Adam, of trying to like burn the world down. Because um, we see at the end of this episode what happens between <laughs> Adam and Martha. And here is, you know, Adam as a, a middle-aged man, stranger Jonas. I, I just think it's kind of like a foreshadowing of what he's to become. Mm-hmm. That was my thought. I don't know if it's correct or not, but that's kind of the gist that I got. Yeah. Cause you might think, Oh, um, Jonas, like he might take this letter as like a hope, continued hope. Cause this is Marta. This is mm-hmm. alt Marta supposedly telling him to keep hoping and to, you know, to like keep him going. So you might think, he'd want to keep the letter as like a souvenir of their love oh, yeah. or their connection. Sure. But instead he chooses to, um, he chooses to burn the letter. And again, going back to the parallel with his father's letter, when he burned his father's letter, 
it was because the stranger came and said, you know, you he's basically trying to get him. If you pick up Mikkel, you'll never be born and you won't get to be with Marta. So he kind of burns the letter because he's choosing to forget. So mm -hmm. if it's if it's a parallel, then he's choosing to forget his connection with Marta here. Yeah, I kind of buy that. Yeah. But I'm not sure exactly why he would like, has he already become a nihilist in this moment? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think he was really yeah. upset at all Marta leaving him. Yes, I think yeah. so too. We'll move on from the letter for now. <laughs> um, Marta too comes out of the air at Lux lair, her hands covered in blood. Words on screen tell us the day of the apocalypse. In World 2, yes. Marta goes to her house, the Conwald house. <laughs> she vigorously washes her hands, desperately trying to get the blood off, but her efforts pu prove futile. Her breasts come in desperate gasps. She's having a panic attack and finds blood in her hair, on her clothes. She takes off the yellow raincoat and sweater, leaving only gray behind. That's a pretty cool um, observation, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the yellow comes off, and now here comes the gray. I like that. Yeah, and I don't think I put this in the recap, but yeah, it's um, and it's for her. It's the same kind of thing, maybe like losing hope. You know, she takes off yeah. that happy, happy color. Yeah, I totally see that now. I made a note of that later, but you're right. She takes off the yellow to reveal the gray underneath. And this is like our fourth character to do this, to run to the kitchen sink and wash blood off their hands frantically while they're freaking out. And we just saw Helene doing it last episode. Helene. We saw Claudia do it the episode mm -hmm. before that. And then I believe um, Claudia did it again after the Egon um, spill. No, I think she just sat there and yelled at the sky. <laughs> I know well, at least three characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Claudia, but that's a good call. It's a good call with Helene. That's, I guess I was like, kind of leaving her out of the mix because we don't like her, whereas we kind of feel a little more sympathy for Claudia. And um, You can forget her. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> but no, that is that is true. Like, it's that image of what they, Lady Macbeth washing her mm -hmm. hands. Yep. When she hears the front door open, she throws her soiled clothes in the trash, which was an interesting strategy. Okay. Yes. Um, she must have a lot more clothes than I do because I'm like, I have two jeans, <laughs> pairs of jeans right. that fit, you know. Um, <clears throat> Magnus finds her in the kitchen and starts to give her a lecture. Katerina has been looking for her and everyone was worried. His words falter once he notices her disheveled appearance. He can tell she's been crying and goes to hug her and demands to know what's wrong. Marta replies that Bartosh was right, that it's the end of the world. Something will happen today at the nuclear power plant. Bartosh's father will try to hide something in the barrels. Magnus goes from protective and listening to dismissive. He thinks Marta is full of psycho crap. He says that mom doesn't deserve to be made to worry before walking out the door. Yeah, he kind of turned pretty quick, didn't he? At first, he was, like, loving and, like, concerned, and then he was, like, <laughs> she's still, like, a mess, and he just leaves. So, at mm -hmm. first, I was, like, oh, Magnus, nice. Then I was, like, Magnus, mean. I don't like Magnus right now. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to think of, I mean, we all like Magna, so <laughs> if, if I try to piece together a defense of why he's acting that way, mm-hmm. I know he was really ticked off that his dad came in and assumed all the kids were using drugs and that they weren't to be trusted and they were just being crazy. So maybe, um, mm-hmm. maybe Magnus is afraid that if he kind of gives in to Marta, that would give credence to like Ulrich's thoughts somehow that like, oh, my sister is acting crazy and I don't <laughs> like that. So I'm going to just keep that at bay. Mm. I don't know. Magnus is the same guy last episode that was like, I know what I saw. I saw the crazy stuff. So he's, you know, he knows that Martha's seen some crazy stuff too. Mm -hmm. I kind of think that, um, that, I mean, that's a good guess because he probably still feels some heat from the dad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but he probably spent all night because he said mom was up all night crying. So he was probably like consoling her and she was giving Magnus the third degree probably. So he was like, Maybe he's mad about that, like a sibling. I mean, obviously they're siblings. So <laughs> maybe it's like, you know, mom, I had to do this for mom and now you need to straighten up and she's mm-hmm. not going to straighten up. I don't know, Magnus, spend five minutes with her. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Everything's gray too. You said her shirt was gray. Magnus's yeah. clothes are gray. The kitchen paint's gray. The curtains are gray. The <laughs> pillow is gray and the clouds outside are gray. Everything is gray in this scene with the exception of the, like the wood that you see, everything else is gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe it's that the fact that she says Bartosh was right. And Bartosh was kind oh. of like speaking <laughs> some weird, you know, he was, he seemed like to be doing like conspiracy theories and, Oh, you know what Nostradamus said and all that. And Magnus is right. like, what, you know? Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Who knows, Magnus? We we don't understand you fully. The complex man. <laughs> but um, Marta also pulls the Saint Christopher pendant out of her pocket, though right. that she yes. had. Then in 2053 in World Two, the Marta who shot Jonas also holds the pendant. Stranger Marta talks to her. She tells her that Jonas had to die. The two of them are wrong in his world and in hers. As we pull back, we see the air at Lux lair covered in sand as if the house has been abandoned. Stranger Marta assures her the feelings will pass. Everything will run its course just as fate determined for both worlds. I guess my only comment there is like Stranger Marta is, uh, is kind of right. They are wrong in both worlds in a way. Um, I mean, more to come later, but I mean, she kind of mm-hmm. has almost a point there. Yeah, this this part kind of aggravated me, though. I'm, I'm aggravated oh. a lot today, but... Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> This same stranger, Marta, though, is the one who was in the bunker that had all the chalk board you know all the Mm -hmm. chalk writing on it and she was the one that told Jonas to go after Marta because in this world the two of you can be together so she's talking out of both sides of her mouth she's telling Jonas one thing so that he'll go after Marta and you know continue the loop and have you know dang have um 
you know, <laughs> do call. what she needs to do. And and then in this once, you know, once they got uh, Alt Marta to do this deed, this violent deed, then they say, mm-hmm. oh, you guys are both wrong in both worlds. I can't argue with that. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even have a rebuttal for you. Um, I, I went back and reread your paragraph just now, as you were saying that, and you're absolutely right. What are you doing? Stranger, Mar- stranger Marta and stranger Jonas. They're made for each other. I tell you. Yeah. But I will say this, the, if nothing else, this had some cool imagery, you know, you've got the two paintings that have been damaged Oh, by, yeah. I guess, the apocalypse center all. All you can see are the heads now and the shoulders and then all the yes. sand. It's very it's very Dune again, continuing that Dune imagery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then we, then we warp back to World One. Alt-Marta frantically tries to break free from her cage. There's not even room for her to sit fully upright inside. She bangs on the bars when she sees Adam. She demands to know why she's locked up. This is not what they agreed. Adam promised her she could help change things so the apocalypse didn't happen, but he lied to her just like her older self. I wrote down here, I don't know if I'm right or not, but I wrote down here that he didn't lie. He just like altered the truth slightly. You know what I mean? Um, well, we actually see at the end of this episode, I believe, at the end of this episode, we actually see mm-hmm. where he promises by proxy. Well, he's saying that he's, uh, the basic promise is, is that she can help change things. Mm-hmm. And that's true <laughs> in a roundabout way. And that she can find the origin. Um, because this is hmm. this happens after. Oh well, he believes that to be correct, so I don't think he's lying to her. He believes that to be correct. I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. stand up. I'm not going to. I'm not going to stick up for Adam. I don't. What am I doing? Yeah, please don't. <laughs> okay, I'm. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, Adam pulls out the golden ball that Ooh. I guess he took from Alt Marta. Mm-hmm. The the device that they use in World 2 and holds it gently. Old Tanhouse believed he was creating paradise, a world mm-hmm. beyond this one, but he now realizes what paradise really is, eternal darkness and annihilation. <laughs> the apocalypse must happen in both worlds for that type of paradise to happen. And he walks out. Marta uses all her strength and muster to call his real name, Jonas. It's a shock to hear Adam called by his proper name. Only Marta, the woman he loves, is brave enough to do so. Yeah, I didn't catch that at the time. Um, I just, you know, I kind of went with her. Like, yeah, she's calling his name. I didn't even think anything of it until you, you're right. It's like calling, you know, it's like if you're in a fight with Batman and you're like, Bruce, (laughs) stop. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like he would be like, oh, okay. Or maybe he would be. You're trying to like appease to his humanity, the person inside the person. Yeah. And she does that a couple times during this episode, but this is the first one here. And I really like, I really liked that because I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say about it either, but it's cool (laughs) that she did that. (laughs) I wonder if I would have even picked up on um, that 
if you hadn't pointed it out because it didn't I didn't really think the first time I watched it through a while back um you know I didn't that didn't really jump out at me mm-hmm. so you know this is a this is a Lindsay original yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so we warped to world two six hours until the apocalypse it's not the leisurely warping transition we usually see. It's abrupt and sudden. At the Tiedemann house, Alexander talks on the phone to Jürgen Obendorf. <laughs> he demands to know where the barrels are. He reminds Jürgen who is in control. Bartosz too enters the kitchen, asking Alexander if he's okay. Alexander needs to go to the office, but first he wants to tell Bartosz something. He shares that he's being blackmailed by someone about something he did a long time ago. He shows Bartosh the newspaper story about an unsolved murder in Marburg. Um, Side note, the other headline in the paper says, Fire in Warehouse, over 100 emergency services on site. Hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, you got the translation to this article. I didn't know this. This is this is again like like gold information you're giving us. So yes, let's eagerly listen to what this <laughs> what yeah. this article said because nobody knows. I mean, how did you translate it? By the way, how did you find this? I just use a Google Translator. Um, okay, cool. I, I mean, I, I took us. I pa- It was funny because I actually found another person. I couldn't get all the words because some of them, I paused the screen um, mm-hmm. while I was watching it. And then I opened up a, a translator, German to English, and I just typed in the words that were in the paper. That's all I did. But it was funny because um, like some, there was a user on Reddit that took a screen, took somehow took a screenshot and was just wanting the German people to translate it. And I'm like, <laughs> lazy. Lazy. It is lazy, man. Come on. <laughs> Lindsay's okay. got you here. So, okay. So the, I have the the translation of an article and then we have, this is where the Facebook feedback comes into. So here's what I could roughly translate from the article. Many residents of the South still remember with horror the events of the fall of 1986. A fatal shot was fired during an attack on the locksmith's workshop in Haspelstrop, near the old Jaeger barracks. After the workshop was closed, two masked men decided to clear out the company safe after a large cash payment was made that same day. However, their night activity was observed by a resident of Liebigstraub, who immediately alerted the locksmith's clerk by telephone. And... That's all I could read. There were there was more to the story, but it was covered up by the red bar, the Netflix bar, <laughs> and the pause symbol. Um, okay, so the article flashes on screen for only a few seconds. We aren't truly meant to read it for any answers, but I found it interesting that Alexander's crime may have involved a locksmith's workshop. I kind of mm-hmm. wish it was. Um, I was like, I, I was like hoping that in maybe locksmith and clock shop were like somehow exactly. connected because so i was like yeah. that would have been on awesome but with a locksmith i was like oh keys there was the keys to the power plant i don't yes. know um yeah that's good that's good also there were two masked men who might the other one be 
Clausen's brother. Is this mm-hmm. a Don Draper situation <laughs> where the man we know as Alexander, uh-uh. actually Boris Newald, stole his partner's identity? The world will never know. That's an excellent get. I, 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 wow. Okay. <laughs> where do we go with this? Because this is good <laughs> stuff. I mean, it, it almost like exonerates Alexander. It doesn't exonerate him. He, yeah, he did do a crime. He did end up killing somebody, but it looks like he wasn't like a murderer. It wasn't like he was plotting revenge or like a hitman or nothing crazy like that. They were just trying to get some bucks and mm-hmm. they got they got caught and they reacted violently, which is not great, but it's different from a, um, an intended violent crime. I think that if the other guy's name, like it was Boris Newald and Alexander Tideman, that would be a really bad alias. The other guy that did the crime with you. So I'm going to guess that the other guy in the crime was Clausen's brother. Um, just because they were tight. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe Clausen's brother got killed in the um, in the shootout or whatever happened there. Let me read the feedback we got on the Facebook group now because I thought oh, it was yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, we have a German member in the Facebook group no, named Holger Forsterling. And he says, after watching, even after watching the show twice, I still enjoy your recaps as they always mention details that I missed. The newspaper article regarding the double murders in Marburg is very intriguing for someone that grew up in that town. Yes, it's a real place. Marburg is a real place. Some details in the description make it clear that the writer of the show either grew up in Marburg or time traveled back 33 years for the period field research because... (laughs) The Jaeger barracks were repurposed sometime in the 1990s and are no longer known under that name. Kind of like the Raider candy bars. They are a thing of the past and not the present. Heck yeah, that he's like recognizing these names and like it's got the proximity down. Holger, can you please go take some pictures of the school for us? (laughs) (laughs) One day we'll take that trip to Germany. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll like yeah. stand in the positions. Yeah. Somebody on Reddit just, it was, I can't remember if it was Reddit or Facebook just recently went there and posted pictures of the area where the cave is, the school, the sick Mundus church and the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, just absolutely neat stuff that I would love to stand in those places too. Okay. So back to our scene. Alexander tells Bartosz that some decisions can never be undone. His name isn't Alexander. It's Boris Newalt. The murder was an accident. Bartosz wonders if Fergina knew. Alexander shakes his head no. He says, your mother is the best thing that ever happened to me. She saved me from all of that. And I never even told her the truth. He tries to apologize to Bartosz, but Bartosz steps away, repulsed by this revelation. He isn't sure what to think. How about you? What do you think, Lindsay? I'll let you go first this time. <laughs> um, well, one thing that strikes me is this, again, with this world, I feel like, I don't know exactly what it signifies, but this Alexander seems to be, or we're, we're getting an opportunity to see scenes play out where people were like hiding things and they're trying to be more transparent. 
Maybe it's because yeah. this is the world with therapy, but yeah, I think so. <laughs> like Alexander's actually trying to do the right thing here. He, like he wants to come clean to Bartosh. Something about this blackmail situation has gotten to him. Um, or maybe it's mm -hmm. just that his wife died and he's become a changed man since that and just realizing how grateful he is. But he's trying to sort of come clean mm -hmm. and wants to, yeah, but just open up a little bit to his son and Bartosh mm -hmm. doesn't take it well. Um, mm. You can't really blame him. I mean, he doesn't take it. Yeah. He doesn't like yell or like <laughs> th throw right. things away uh, or throw things in the room or like, you know, punch a wall or anything like Magnus <laughs> did. Magus would do that. <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, he finds out he finds out that hey, my dad killed somebody and he's been hiding out in town. So I yeah. I think he takes it remarkably well. Um, you know, he removes himself from the situation, which is the best thing you can do when you get an overload of information. You don't know what to do with it. Um so I think he made the right move by just backing off and getting out of there because he just mm -hmm. was just handed a lot of info. Um, I think Bartosh is like a nicer guy in this world too. It seems he he's, I haven't seen him fighting with Jonas in the rain yet. Not this Bartosh, <laughs> just the other one. Um, and Alexander is like, uh, uh yeah, like you said, at first, I was like, he's talking crappy to Obendorf. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, typical rich guy power move stuff. But then, you know, he moves on to, to, you know, to give this information to his son. And I think the real reason he did it is because he's being blackmailed. And because, like, the really the only person he really cares what they think about him is his son. Now mm -hmm. that Regina's gone. So he knows that, you know, um, you know, and towards the end of this episode too, it looks like Alexander's motives are for, um, not going through with the Hannah thing and letting Hannah go ahead and expose him. Mm -hmm. So he's just kind of, um, you know, getting, letting the only person that he really cares about know about it so that like he can find out from him in his own way, instead of having to find out in the paper, like everybody else will. Yeah, because Boris they... thinks. Yeah, I was gonna say Boris thinks tomorrow that this is gonna come out. Against yeah, what him. do they call that? Getting your affairs in order, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, Charlotte rings the doorbell at the Nielsen house. <laughs> what a fun scene! <laughs> <laughs> Hannah answers the door. Charlotte asks to speak to Ulrich. But Hannah says that he's in the shower. Charlotte decides to wait. Her news is important. Hannah makes nice and asks how Charlotte's doing. But her posture and demeanor change in a heartbeat. You listen to me. Ulrich belongs to me. And that's not going to change. Just I'm then. I'm just giggling along. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll read one more paragraph and then stop before we continue. Just then Ulrich comes in looking flustered to see Charlotte. Hannah flips back to being sweet and suggests that Charlotte drop by again with Peter so they can all hang out together. And she gives Charlotte a hug and Ulrich a kiss. A true snake in the grass. 
She is acting so crazy. Her <laughs> eyes are crazy. Like, I think they, like, accented her eyes. Like, who was crazier in this situation, Katerina or Hannah? Because remember, Katerina was kind of weirded out in this situation, too, mm-hmm. when Hannah pulled this with Katerina. Like, remember when Hannah stopped by with the, with the casserole? <laughs> yeah, but, I, see, I don't think Katerina really act crazy. She was just, you know, she was upset that her... Mm-hmm. child had gone missing that's the correct yeah. answer <laughs> Hannah's crazier <laughs> okay I thought you were I thought you were saying that somehow Katarina was crazy in her scene I was like I don't think she was <laughs> well she kind of was weird the way she like hugged and sniffed I think that's when she gave her the sniff was at that moment but as you're going to read on like Charlotte has a completely legitimate reason to be stopping by Mm-hmm. And like they're work partners. So like, yeah, okay, yeah. there's something going on. We know this, Hannah. But Charlotte actually is not just coming there just to mess with Ulrich. <laughs> you know, she's got a thing happening. Yeah. I mean, once once Charlotte gets a gets a clue, she's like a hound dog. <laughs> she has to keep she has to keep on it. So Yeah, that's right. I don't know. But yeah, this was it was crazy that she's like Oh, let's all hang out. And then she's like, like tongue kissing Ulrich in front of Charlotte. You know, it's just a little weird. I think she knows the message she's sending to Charlotte darn well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think pregnant, uh, pregnant Hannah is definitely as, as impossible as it seems. She's even crazier than. (laughs) Oh, she's pregnant in this scene. Okay. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um. So as soon as Hannah exits, Ulrich turns hard and tells Charlotte never to come back here again, just like he did with Hannah in World One. Um, right. Charlotte just coolly reports that this that his phone was off and goes into her reveal. So I did like how he was like, never come here again and again. And she's just like, so anyway, I found these pennies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's okay to be here, Ulrich. <laughs> Yeah. The examination of the two pennies is complete. She pulls out a file folder and shows him an up-close photo of the pennies. <laughs> a penny, a fennig coin blown to a hundred times. Um, <clears throat> an identical groove sits at the top of the E in each. The two pennies are one. I'm saying pennies, but they're fennigs. Yes. Or, yeah. Two pennies are one and the same, but Charlotte knows that Helgay has had his penny since she's known him. She, because she keeps track of all the coins he has in his pocket. Um, yeah, I don't know. he's probably got on the red string. Um, yeah. He concludes yeah. the penny traveled through time. It's quite a jump. You didn't have to go that far, Charlotte, but that's that's what she came up with. She says the penny traveled through time. Ulrich grabs the pennies and rushes off on some mission. <laughs> I think we know what that mission is later, but yeah, they're shortcutting us here. And in world two, the only way they couldn't shortcut us the way they are now is if they did another season and they would just be exactly like season one. Basically we'd see all the same stuff. So that's why we're not getting like a lot of detail on some of these plots because we don't really need it. We already saw it in world one and we already know everything and now they're slowly getting to realize it too, except it seems like it's happening faster, I guess. These are definitely the same pennies. Mm-hmm. And they've definitely been bootstrapped, <clears throat> Lindsay. I hope you know this. 
<laughs> well, I think the the people like you said the people in this world are ten percent um hotter, but I also mm-hmm. think they seem to be ten percent smarter and ten percent at least ten percent mm-hmm. more honest. Like they're figuring I out agree. things a lot easier. Like it took Ulrich a long time to to get a hold of the mm-hmm. time travel thing and even Charlotte. So I think they see part of it is they are trying to fast forward, but it, they could also just be like smarter people, more <laughs> intuitive. <laughs> I guess that's right. Um, this is what uh, Ulrich wanted to hear because Ulrich's been thinking about this. So this yeah. is kind of what he wanted to hear. Yeah, I do. I do think it's kind of rude, though, that Ulrich just grabbed the pennies and left. It's like, hey, that's the evidence I'm working on. <laughs> that's but, right. I didn't think about that. <laughs> but that is how that is Ulrich. Ulrich's going to Ulrich. Okay. Yep, that's right. At the Conwald house, Marta, too, sits on her bed, fresh from the shower. We can see the St. Christopher pendant around her neck. She's panting hard and grabs a pair of shears. She chops off her hair with little care for the results. Yep, slowly becoming Alt Martha. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I will say I actually had this haircut for a while, Steve. I actually took photos of Alt Martha to the hair salon and I said, give me this haircut. Really? Did it work out? I mean, it worked out the first day, but with I, I realized um, I do have you do have to style your hair to look as cool mm-hmm. as Alt Marta. So the fact that she's like running right. around the apocalypse with this cool haircut is is really I I for one know that it's not honest at all that your uh, hair would look this cool because I have strange yeah. little kinks in my hair, so um, you really have to smooth it down. Um, but I do have the choppy still like the choppy kind of ends you can kind of see, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I thought, I just thought the haircut was the stuff and the bangs. She no, you're cool. right. Yeah. She looks very cool, but sometimes that goes awry. I've done that before too, where I've gone <laughs> to the barber picture and said, give me this haircut. It doesn't always work. <laughs> and if it does work, like you said, like two days later, it's like, oh no, I got to put gel in my hair every day to achieve this look. And I don't like that, you know, so sometimes it doesn't work out. That's like when, um, when Daniel went into the, to the hair salon and, and said, make me look like the captain in 1899. (laughs) (laughs) And they gave him the generic ring, uh, trench coat. Yeah. (laughs) And they stopped at old Navy and got in a generic jacket. It didn't work out for him. They said, he's like, he tried to put, get the beard, grow the beard and it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in her room, in the room she's in, Katarina too wakes up from a snooze to find Marta now looking a lot like old Marta. She's got oh. the choppy Bob haircut and is wearing all black clothes and a messenger bag around her shoulder. Katarina notices her hair and her daughter's wet eyes. Marta asks if she believes in fate. After a few moments, Katarina decides no. She believes they make their own fate. Everyone must choose. She tells her daughter that Marta can talk to her if she wants. And it now dawns on me that Katarina is actually napping in Mickle's room. (laughs) The room is adorned with a soccer ball, robots, rocket ships, and things a science-loving kid would enjoy. 
<laughs> Katerina seems very attached to her kids, and maybe this is her way of staying close to them when they are away from her because, you know, part of the time they live with Ulrich. Oh, that's they hate going to Ulrich's house. I bet mm -hmm. she loves that fact. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if maybe she was in Mikkel's room because the other Katerina is in Mikkel's room because she misses Mikkel. And then this Katerina is just kind of mirroring that Katerina without even realizing it. That's kind of where my head went, but this is a, you know, just as good of a theory too. Just that yeah. she loves her kids and she shows that she's a great mom. And yeah, Aunt Martha looks just like Aunt Martha with the exception of one scar across her face. Everything else looks exactly like Aunt Martha looking cool as hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, she, the only reason I pointed out the room is because at first I was like, oh, Katerina's napping in her bedroom or she's in the living room taking a nap because my mom takes naps in the living room a lot. When, <laughs> but when then I was like, this time when I was watching more closely, I'm like, wait a second. Oh, this is actually the room where in World One, um, Michael hung himself. Um, like you can mm -hmm. tell by the windows that it's actually that room. And this, in this world, that's, um, Mikkel's bedroom. Um, so it just visually struck me as like, oh, wow. Um, I know where she is. And then I was like, well, why is she taking a nap in his room? Um, but yeah, I like your, I like your theory too, that it's like, we're just mindless robots walking around. <laughs> we have to match our people. Yeah. <laughs> so oh but um, also of course yeah. this mirrors oh, i'm sorry this doesn't mirror anything yet if you go on the next paragraph i'll tell you what it mirrors <laughs> okay i went ahead of myself there okay she takes march's hand and says this is katarina takes march's hand and says your father and i a lot of things may be different now but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad This is a touching scene between mother and daughter. In World One, Katerina and Marta fought towards the end. It's nice to see them coming together in this world. She tells Katerina she needs to take care of something. Yeah, what I was thinking they're mirroring was when Jonas was staring at Hannah, mm. when Hannah was sleeping, and when she woke up, asked the exact same question of his mom. Mm -hmm. So this is like a kid mom moment that gets mirrored between the two houses mm -hmm. yeah i think he asked her he asks um hannah stuff like what was that like when you guys met and stuff like that well that was at the kitchen table when he when well, he yeah. woke up and he was staring at her he was like you believe in fate and hannah gave the exact same answer that katarina does here oh i didn't remember that he asked her do you believe in fate yeah, because it was such. We talked about how such it was such a heavy, unexpected question to like wake up to <laughs> so abruptly, especially the way Jonah, Jonas asks it. Okay, we warp back to World One. There's a photo of Jonas on the wall. Claudia holds the plans to the Winden nuclear power plant and a note to mm. follow the signal. We see the smokestacks <laughs> of the power plant gone. Inside the reactor room, Claudia in a hazmat suit walks toward a small glowing ball. Claudia reaches out her hands as if to touch it. She's got the gloves on, but still. 
a voice <laughs> commands her to stop. It's a young Jonas looking gray and unwell. This is the Jonas we saw at the beginning of this episode who did not go to March's world. He mm -hmm. survived somehow and has been living in this ruin. Yeah, wild stuff. I'm glad he got her to stop because that was a really dumb idea, Claudia, to do that. <laughs> what would have happened if she touched it? What would have happened, do you think? I don't know. I, I was thinking a couple of things could happen. I mean, she could just get like, um, like shocked or electrocuted, possible death, or <laughs> she could like unexpectedly like warp into it the same way that like when you touch fingers outside of the, uh, mm. the gateway, you get kind of sucked in somehow. So I wonder if that might've happened if she would have gotten sucked in, but to some unknown future, but good thing Jonas is here to stop that from happening. Um, I wanted to say that it was interesting that Claudia, more mirrors, old Claudia, um, gave Claudia this map to follow the signal in order to find the thing. And then stranger Jonas gave Jonas this map saying, follow the signal in mm -hmm. order to find the, um, sick Mundus door. So I thought that was very neat between Claudia and Adam there, Claudia and Jonas there, excuse me. Right. Is it the same one? Is it the same map? Oh, no. No, because that because, was for the caves. That was for right. the caves, and this is, yeah, for the But they both plant. said follow the signal, and they're both using right. in that um, clicky-gram. That's what you call it, right? <laughs> clicky-gram? Um, oh, but that's else? cool. The thing's still there, though, right? Oh, you're getting ready to go into that. The thing, yeah, like, they, it, th it doesn't look like a thing, but it's like its core is, like, still there. Yeah, they talk about later what it is, but I, and even when we, when we talk about it, I'm like, I guess that would, that would, if we knew more, we would, that would answer that question. What would happen if you touched it? Because <laughs> there is, you know, there's like the dark matter, there's the God particle, there's the orb, there's the, um, the black blob. These are all the terms I use. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, I'm not sure if I actually understand the difference sometimes, but. So we warp back to world two. Marta is writing the letter to Jonas, the letter that young Noah will one day take to the stranger. Standing on either side of her are stranger Marta and Eva. This is alt Marta, the one that has a huge gash in her left cheek. She says, I killed him. Why is he still alive in his world? And Eva draws an infinity symbol in the dust and mentions the switch point at the junction in the loop of time. The moment that allows things to go in one direction or the other. You bring him to our world or you don't. A line that meets itself again in a loop. Two possible paths along the outer edge of the line or along the inner edge of the line. And yet it's the same line. Two overlapping realities. Mm -hmm. On one of these paths, he dies. On the other, he doesn't. Both possibilities recur in the loop again and again. One triggers the other quantum entanglement. Yeah, that's basically our answer. That um, kind of made sense to me in a real simple way. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't go into like great detail about it, but it... I mean, both possibilities have to happen in order for these two worlds to exist in order for our story to continue. So that's 
I don't know. It's neat the way that Eva drew that infinity symbol and kind of explained that to us because it's like, I don't know. Shows usually don't explain this kind of stuff to us in this kind of way. So it's cool when it does. Yeah, it's great that we're getting an answer for the question I asked right at the beginning of the, of the recap. Yep. And I appreciate how we see this very quick exchange between Claudia and Jonas. Because like it was last episode where they said, Jonas is dead. Or Claudia herself said Jonas is dead. And then alt Claudia mm -hmm. says, no, he's very much alive. And eventually he will want to annihilate everything. <laughs> and so then they show... Um, Claudia meeting Jonas and then the next thing we see is Eva explaining why this other Jonas exists which oh, is right. great the, yeah this is where the split screen happens right yes okay so, yeah I like this a lot yeah as she see, speaks we see a split screen Marta is dead Jonas hovers over her in one version Alt Marta shows up and rescues Jonas in the other she doesn't Adam has been trying to sever this entanglement for 33 years so that what is growing inside of her will never come to be. But this will never be because Jonas is controlled by them. Hmm. Stranger Marta, snugly... Oh, I meant smugly. <laughs> she smugly <laughs> folds the letter into the envelope. So, the cat is out of the bag. Marta is pregnant with Jonas's child, and Adam wants to erase the child. Now, we already knew that, right? Or did we know that because we saw this? Because they made like big insinuations about that last episode. They kept gesturing towards her belly and stuff and like, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't think we knew surely about the baby like until this episode. We talked about it like we were sure. So I hope we didn't like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> get to ahead of ourselves but yeah it, it seems apparent here well we talked about the origin there was a lot of talk about the yeah. origin well that was that might have actually been two episodes ago i don't mm -hmm. know Steve. it was you're right i don't know <laughs> you're supposed um, to know <laughs> i know i know that's what i'm paid for wait i'm not paid okay so well, you didn't get the check <laughs> <laughs> i mean checks every week <laughs> um so do you but have any other thoughts about this steve yeah, um, okay. Stranger Marta snugly and smugly folding the letter into the envelope. Um, that is where we see her, like, um, the first time with a letter. Mm -hmm. And then we see, like, uh, the Postal Service delivering the letter later, right? We see the Postal Service. <laughs> yeah, the Postal Service um, okay. <laughs> delivering the letter later, yes. Okay, I'm on board. But yeah, but this is when the letter is actually written at this moment. Yeah, all my notes that I wrote for this whole, because I did write a lot of notes for this, but mm -hmm. it, it's, it, we don't need to discuss them because it's all stuff that gets answered later and yeah. it's all just a bunch of ahas. So it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a lot. Of, there's a, I mean, if, if your brain wasn't going on fire during this part um, <laughs> and during this whole episode, then watch it again. Yeah. But this helps, it just helps to clarify so much. Just, it does. Yeah, that we have, I did enjoy the fact that we've had the infinity symbol since the beginning of the show, right? Mm -hmm. sure. Meaning time travel and like eternity. Everybody knows that as an infinity symbol. Mm -hmm. um, 
And here it's like the symbol is repurposed to expand. Mm. You know, it, the symbol expands to create this idea of multiple worlds existing at the same time using that same exact symbol she makes with her finger and says there's this switch point and at mm -hmm. the switch point it's possible for you know for you to do two things right yeah so infinity symbol infinity thine self <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> what are, what's happening okay um but yeah very cool visuals though yes we can say that absolutely so we warp back to world one claudia asks about the origin of this floating orb Jonas explains it's a remnant from the apocalyptic apocalyptic explosion the machinery holding it together is a shadow of what it will become. The Sigmundus passage no longer exists, but this orb offers a chance that Jonas can save Marta and Mikkel. This Jonas still believes change is possible. He demands to mm -hmm. know how she found him, and this is when we remember that Claudia found Jonas because her alternative self told her she needs to keep Jonas busy until Alt Claudia can figure out how to untie the knot. Right. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about that part until you reminded me here. So that the actions kind of made sense without it, but this kind of helps clarify it a lot more that this is like a a mission to to fill in the time, kind of like Noah has a similar mission to mm -hmm. <laughs> fill some time in to help things happen. Yeah, they need Jonas to fill out some worksheets to fill up some time. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And you know, when Nick, if you're, it. I was one of the students sometimes got, I got things done and I had to sit there and fill out boring, dull worksheets. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Claudia quickly forms a lie. She starts to say something about the device, but when Jonas asks to see it, she stops talking. She shows him the device and reports it's no longer working. She tries to bright side him. <laughs> we changed the variables last time, so maybe this time it will work better. Jonas protests that he doesn't have time to wait 33 years. He also has no desire to lie to his younger self as his older self did to him. Right now he doesn't, yeah. That's how he feels now. He'll change his mind later. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very painful to see this young Jonas clinging desperately to the shreds of hope and integrity he has left, especially knowing that Jonas will become Adam. Mm -hmm. Jonas fights against that fatalistic view. He then gets even more suspicious. All the time he worked with older Claudia, she never told him about what would happen to Marta. Why should he trust her now? Then Claudia says, the matter in the nuclear power plant, I know what it is. I can help you save Marta. So once again, Jonas falls in line, drawn by the siren song of Marta's name being used in vain. <laughs> I guess this is where that, that um, last week I was talking about the person who was talking trash about Claudia. This is probably what he was talking about. Um, you know, her kind of leading Jonas astray here and wasting his time for 33 years. Mm -hmm. um, but it's got a purpose, man. It's got a purpose. 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> of course he's got to wait 33 years. He's got to get old. So <laughs> get to it, Jonas. It's really neat how they how he has all this stuff here too. And he knows how to build it because he's already seen it before. It's again like a reverse engineer situation. Like Tannhauser's book, he doesn't never actually wrote the book. Mm-hmm. It just happened and then he just had to rewrite the book <laughs> in order to make time travel happen. So yeah. Well, I don't think he really knows how to build it. All he did was he saw the finished product. So he's like, well, somehow something happens to make, mm-hmm. to help me know, or I meet somebody or something happens to make it happen. So he just has <laughs> this faith. You know, it's it's a weird, it's an odd, twisted faith that it's going to happen because he's seen it. Yeah. And Claudia's seen some stuff. She knows she's the right person. Because this was her power plant, so she knows about the cesium. She's seen the reports and stuff. So she's the perfect mm-hmm. person to show up here and help them out. Yeah. And then the time machine itself, time machine being the, the suitcase time machine. Mm-hmm. Like we finally see, like, that's the old beat up version, right? Can she use that again? Or is that indeed the busted one? Oh, well, it's just it's out of fuel. Right. Okay. Okay. Because I remember he took yeah. a broken one back to Tan House, and I wasn't sure if this was that one or not. But again, that happens 33 years down the road. Yeah. I think he takes them, if I remember correctly, he takes them the broken one, and using the broken one, that's how he creates the new, brand new one that works. Right. Okay. Yeah. But is this the first time Jonas has seen the time machine, though? Young Jonas? Or is he... No, he's seen it before. Well, no, he's, right? he got it. Yeah, yeah he, he got used it. it. He got it from himself. He got it from Stranger Jonas. <laughs> delivered. Special well, delivery. You know, <laughs> we're always looking for the origins. I wasn't sure if this was like the origin, like the first time Jonas has laid eyes on it. It's not. So that was just a fanciful thought. Yeah, actually, um, if you want a real deep rabbit hole about the suitcase time machine, you can go to the YouTube page that's called, it's either Dark or Dark in 1899 or 1899 and Dark. And mm-hmm. they have all these chronologies that I find fascinating. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are character chronologies, but they also have a chronology for the suitcase time machine. And it mm-hmm. may, the chronology of the suitcase time machine may actually be the most convoluted of any. Mm-hmm. any human or object in the whole show. Um, You're right. I think I've watched it before too. Yeah. Cause I was actually had, I was looking, the reason I found it is because I was looking for the chronology of the pocket watch. Cause I was trying right. to fill in. I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh. I just remembered that um, in the last episode we saw Elizabeth, um, the Elizabeth that was with, um, Anyway, she's using looking at the pocket watch, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Noah gave Elizabeth the pocket watch in like season one. She gave mm-hmm. it to Charlotte. Then Charlotte had it, and it ended up um, being given to Elizabeth before she young Elizabeth before she went to the bunker. So I was like, it's all like the chronology of the pocket watch is pretty interesting too, but." That's something um, I yeah, wouldn't with, mind. 
that's something I wouldn't mind doing in the future is like doing just podcast podcasting about that. So we can get it straight in our own head. Um, I wouldn't mind tackling that, but you know, we can't do it within an episode because Mm-mm. then it would be a four hour episode probably. Okay. So back in world two, it's three hours until the apocalypse. Marta two now dressed as alt Marta ends up at the house of Bartosh. She calls his name, a hint of desperation in her voice. He's surprised to see her, but allows her in. She tells him that 33 years ago, there was an accident at the power plant. A substance formed and his father helped to keep this secret hidden. The substance in the cave triggers the apocalypse. She wants Bartosh to help her talk to Alexander. Unlike Magnus, Bartosh doesn't call her crazy. He's just found out his dad has been keeping secrets too. That's right. Yeah. He's getting hit with all kinds of stuff today. It's a big day for Bartosh. <laughs> I, I wrote down here that Bartosh looks cool. He doesn't have a mullet. He just has like kind of shaggy hair. He looks cool. Come on. He looks, he's a, he's a cool guy. Like younger Bartosh? This Bartosh. Bartosh 2, the young yeah, Bartosh. The one we're talking about right now in this scene. No. He doesn't have a mullet. He's just got that long hair. His hair is like he's got long bangs too. It's wavy. He looks cool. And I'm going to say this right now <laughs> because this is a phrase that people say on podcast. Have you heard the phrase histy vindy? Do you know this no. phrase? <laughs> no. <laughs> histy vindy Bartosh. Okay. History has vindicated Bartosh finally because histy vindy is like what happens when you have a, a hot take or a wrong take and history vindicates you later on. So I'm glad that. People are coming to Bartosh for help. And look, I picked the right guy for my team, um, Dylan. Remember y'all were making fun of my team? I wanted Jonas and Bartosh to be a team together. I mean, come on. This Bartosh would be a handy guy on your team. He's helpful. He's not judgmental. He's a good guy. He's going to help you out. I like Bartosh. I do not like his haircut. I just pulled up a picture, Steve, of the haircut just so I could clarify you know just to see if i could re would rethink my um opinion and no i don't so I are still there any pictures a terrible of haircut. when they were doing the bike scene and they were riding the bike and they ran into older um magnus and francisca that is the scene that i noticed his hair was like super cool looking because it was all like disheveled from the bike ride and stuff anyway everybody knows that <laughs> yeah. montage is cool come on i like that scene <laughs> Um, but it was a terrible haircut. Okay. So, um, at the Wyndon police station, Ulrich visits the morgue where they are keeping the body of the boy found in the bunker. The time of death was just before the body was found. We get our forensic specialist. Yes. Remember how much you like the forensic specialist? Of course. Um, Of course. She pulls back the cloth, the cloth, showing Ulrich the body with the eyes burned. Ulrich asks if it's possible the body was dead a while and has been preserved. Ulrich leans forward, noticing the scar on Mad's chin. 
Ulrich then comes to Helge in his prison cell and pulls him up. He grabs Helge firmly by the collar. Helge claimed to have killed the boy in the bunker, but he doesn't mean him. He means Mads. The boy, the boy's body just looks like Mads. How can that be? Helge stammers that she said I had to do it. Mm -hmm. Ulrich demands to know who. Helge continues to send him to the future and fill the gaps. Mm -hmm. Ulrich then pulls out the pennies. What do they mean? And Helge says he needs to stop him. Ulrich says who? And Helge says you. Hmm. <laughs> In this world, Ulrich tries to talk to Helge. Less roughhousing and more talking. And then Ulrich releases Helge without another word. He lets Helge out of prison. That was a head scratcher to me. I, we know why at the end, why he let them out of prison, because he wants to follow Helge. Mm -hmm. But I was completely confused as to why he let them out, why he let him out, and why he let him out without telling anybody else about it. Um, it's because he's going beyond police stuff here. He's <laughs> going a little beyond the pale for this. Uh, but yeah, this was my lady. I definitely recognized my lady in that scene earlier. And this kind of, um, this is where Ulrich ran off to. He ran off to look at his brother after he got that coin from Charlotte. So, you know, this time travel stuff, he wanted to like see with his own eyes. He wanted to see that scar on the chin, you know. So now he realizes that time travel is real. Which for me, now he believes and he knows that Helge is a time traveler too. So he's letting Helge out so he can follow him to go also time travel. So, mm -hmm. yeah, neat. Love it. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a few things I have a question. I have questions about with this. Oh, um, okay. Okay, so Helge mentioned she. She mm -hmm. said I had to do it. Yeah, and right. I was thinking about what that means. Now, yes. in World One, Helge is Noah's pawn, mm -hmm. and Noah is Adam's pawn. This Helge yes. is in Eva's world, and if we remember, um, Noah is like working with Eva. Yes. So I wondered if she was Eva. I was, I assumed she was Eva, but yeah, like Helge never worked for Adam. Helge worked for Noah. So mm -hmm. I as think far that, as we I know, think, he didn't meet, he didn't meet Adam, but it's just interesting that, um, that he says, she said I had to do it. So it's like, well, who's she? I think it's significant. I think they did that, um, that gender on purpose. Because if they said he made me do it, he meaning Noah, which is actually mm -hmm. the truth that we know, it kind of doesn't like, it doesn't lead us to believe that like Eva is in charge of that world. So they have to substitute he for she just for storytelling purposes, I believe, just to put Eva in your mind, because there's really no other she it could be besides Eva. Well, the other thought I have is maybe Claudia. The alt Claudia, because oh. we remember how close oh. he was to Claudia, and yeah. she's sort of she's sort of an important person. 
Okay, oh. well, leave that alone for a minute. The other thing he says okay. is that she, um, I needed to fill the gaps. And that sounds like a Claudia thing. You're right. Later, the girl from the future in the episode, well, we'll get there later. This is actually in my questions at the end. But later, Celia, um, sorry, the girl from the future says the same thing. And who said those words to Helge? So it could be Claudia, but could it be the girl from the future? So, yeah. Oh, we finally get her name in this episode, too, towards the end. Mm, I thought that was pretty I don't rad. think it's until the end. It is the end, but it, it's this episode. I actually think it's next episode. <laughs> You'll I'm have positive, to edit that out. Nope, I'm positive because I, I wrote it down. I was excited. I was like, they said it. They said it. So, um, well, you just tell me when that happens because I'm pretty sure it's next episode. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So, <laughs> we only have like we only have uh, a few episodes left, and then we'll we'll never have to be confused again about how we said everything. <laughs> I want to be confused again. <laughs> okay, but yeah, there was this whole um, to send him. Uh, to the future and fill the gap. So the whole phrase is just interesting. Um, and then also Helge says, who, he needs to stop him. And he says, you. Yeah, so, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so back to Marta and Bartosh. Bartosh muses out loud that this Jonas guy is dead and Marta killed him. Not her, but another Marta. Marta tries to turn the conversation away from Jonas and back to the more important matter. It all has to do with Alexander, and they need to stop him from opening the barrels. Bartosh tries to call Alexander, but his father lets the call go to voicemail. He has more important matters to take care of right now. <laughs> and Alexander calls Charlotte and asks her to come to the power plant. I didn't like how Alexander didn't answer the phone for Bartosh. <laughs> I know that like Mir is another scene from Seas from World One, but he just get he just dropped his bombshell on Bartosh. So mm -hmm. like I don't I just didn't like that. That's <laughs> that bothered me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it bothered me a little too, but I think I think if he had gotten hold of Alexander, maybe the apocalypse wouldn't have happened. <laughs> They can't oh, let that be the case. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, Bartosh's perspective is whack right now. He's having a... Mm -hmm. I mean, Martha, too. I mean, come on. She's having, like... But Bartosh's mind is getting blown left and right here, like, in uh, some stuff, too. Mm -hmm. It's like everything was normal for him up until today. So, like, with Martha, it's been a few days now. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave Bartosh and Marta alone for just a moment as we switch to the unknown. Steve's buddy, the unknown. <laughs> you the know unknown it. watches the pulsing, unstable God particle. The unknown pulls a lever, causing the particle to stabilize and come to a complete and perfect sphere. The younger and older unknown walk towards the sphere and disappear. The middle-aged unknown then pulls out his own golden spear, just like the one Alt-Marta has. They don't use protection. They just walk right in there. 
Like everybody else has to use like the yellow suits and stuff. Like that's true. I thought this, I thought that was pretty weird. Um, somebody on Reddit kind of explained it in a way that I didn't understand. So I won't even try, but it's just significant. And I think the reason basically boiled down to because the unknown is born of both worlds and because they're, Mm. you know, because they're part of the loop and everything that they have some kind of special immunity. Um, yeah, that tracks. It was significant, though, that they didn't need anything. They just walk right in there. And it looks like the old guy and the little guy are going to do the God particle. And then our middle-aged guy is going to um, Martha it up with his little his little golden snitch. <laughs> <laughs> I decided that I kind of like his clothes. I like his outfit that he wears. He's consistent. Um <laughs> It's like all black except for like a little bit of pop of blue. I decided that I like that. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, he's got a certain amount of riz. <laughs> you could say that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Since last episode, we used all that hip speech about mid That's and right. slaps. <laughs> yeah. The unknown here. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's fire. He's not mm-hmm. fire. He's still mid to me. Yeah. But. I love that you <laughs> I love that you pointed out he wasn't wearing the suits because I think I'm I noticed that at one point, but it sort of left me and now I'm like, that is that is cool. Like they somehow have like sort of a superpower or a super protection that nobody else does. Um, sure. They're born of the radiation or they're born of the God particle. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that. It kind of tracks with like sometimes in um, I don't know. I think it's a it's a common trope in. I mean, it could be some people might find it an unfortunate trope, but a lot of times the most marginalized characters or the most sort of untouchable or rejected characters have sort of a special hmm. gift that okay. other people don't have or abilities. So it's, right. it's, yeah. it's kind of nice that he's immune <laughs> to... Yeah, like the green mile kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Alt-Marta, we warp back to World 1. The girl from the future opens Alt-Marta's cage. Adam wants to see Alt-Marta now. The girl from the future escorts Marta toward her next destination. But first, Alt-Marta is ordered to strip out of her 1888 clothing. <laughs> Alt Marta obeys, but asks the girl why she does as Adam commands. The girl says, we, the chosen few, must fill the gaps. So that's where that Mm -hmm. phrase, you know. This is the same wording Helge uses earlier, that he must fill the gaps. The yellow hazmat suit on the wall helps identify that we are outside the nuclear core reactor room. Mm-hmm. Adam waits for Alt-Marta's arrival. He tells older Magnus and Francisca that they know what to do. <laughs> Just like the unknown, Adam pulls a lever. Francisca grabs Magnus's hand tightly. They're in love. All right. I like Francisca and Magnus. Um, I thought, okay, the whole stripping down thing, that kind of sucked, okay? Like, it mm-hmm. seems like... It, it seems like she's a reluctant jailer in one way 
Like there's a lot of those in Game of Thrones, like guys who are jailers, but they don't really want to be. So they kind of act, you know, hesitant. And she seems like that way too, but then she like makes her strip down her clothes, which is bizarre. But then there's a reason for that. Those are mm-hmm. the same clothes that she's wearing um, later on. Mm-hmm. And no spoilers, Steve. No spoilers. We did not already see that. No, that's next episode. Okay, well, take a look at those clothes and see if you can spot them <laughs> next episode. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, oh, yeah. And she has a scar. Mm-hmm. Um, the girl from the future. She's got like right. the same scar across her face that like Eva and Alt Martha has. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It almost made me think like, is she an Alt Martha somehow? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't remember how she got that scar on her face. I don't know if we ever know, but. It, it just it stuck out to me this time around. I don't know if I've ever noticed it before, but I wrote it down this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this this character, um, the girl from the future. She's an interesting character, and yeah, but we've already seen her in like the beginning of season two, and we know that underneath her hardened core, she's somewhat of a softie because she ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was the one that let Jonas out of jail and right. ended up turning against older Elizabeth. Or she didn't turn against her, but she demanded some answers where she had been sort right. of going along for the ride. So I do think she's an interesting character that um, may be more of a victim than we realize. Um, but she's been she's definitely been mm-hmm. indoctrinated into. Oh yeah, doing as Adam asked her to do, and and Marta kind of calls her out on that and says like, "Why are you doing what mm-hmm. he's told you to do? Like, why are you his henchman?" So the reluctant jailer. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we warp from this the older Francisca and Magnus holding hands to World Two where Francisca 2 and Magnus 2 also hold hands. Oh. It's one hour until the apocalypse. They sit next to the lake where Trant and Yana once held hands, where Jonas and Marta once kissed, where Helene bashed Marta on the head with a rock. Uh, Helene and Katerina. Sorry, I need to correct that, obviously. <laughs> Leaving the St. Christopher medallion buried in the sand. So it's an important spot. Francisca asks Magnus what he thinks the birds and the light mean and the boy in the bunker. Magnus sticks with his narrative that Marta is just going crazy and believes that the apocalypse will happen today. Francisca just smiles and says, if we die today, then together. Magnus agrees and they kiss. They're they're beautiful. They're great. I mean, (laughs) they don't have to die, though, right? I mean, they don't have they, you know, on the way like that's a loaded question. Um, yes, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but <laughs> we we also remember that Magnus said, "If the apocalypse happens, I have a bunker. My girlfriend exactly. has a bunker." That's what I mean. That's what oh, I mean. They don't I, have to die. That's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> they could just walk 15 minutes and be there. Yeah. But they don't know the apocalypse is going to happen. They're just being flip right now. They're just goofing. But um, 
even so, like if the threat of the apocalypse was there, that's where they go. But mm-hmm. you know, like I said, they they have no idea. They're just they're just here doing yeah. their thing. I mean, they could have been in the bunker though. Like, go have sex in the bunker, then you'll be saved. You're like, I mean, that's what they did <laughs> earlier. Yep. Win win sex, <laughs> and then you live. It's great. <laughs> what? Okay. Meanwhile, Bartosz taxis Marta on his bicycle. They ride like the wind towards the power plant, hoping <laughs> to talk sense into Alexander. There's something touching about Bartosz's loyalty to Marta. She is connected to Jonas in a knot, but there's a connection to Bartosz too somehow that is no less tenable in any world. Did you put ride like the wind because you're referring to um, Stephen King's It here? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I picked it up. <laughs> that that this that's the first thing I think of when I see this scene. Is a big bill on his bike. <laughs> yeah. It it made me think about ET, actually. I was thinking about ET mm-hmm. on the handlebars. Have you ever done this before? Like ridden on somebody's handlebars like this? No. It's hard. It's we gotta give them a lot more credit than we give them. Anytime you see a like a like on Stranger Things or this show. Whoever is sitting up on the handlebars has to do like a lot of balancing and has to like, you know, put, adjust their weight accordingly as well. So you can't just give anybody a ride on your handlebars. They have to be a bike rider too. So well, I don't I just think w- anybody, okay. I don't think anybody's sitting on the hang- handlebars. If I remember correctly, Marta is standing on the spokes and Bartosz oh, like on the is, back. Yeah. And Bar- Bartosz is like not sitting on the oh. seat. Um, you know, he's like standing up while he's riding, which is probably equally okay, difficult. Okay. Um, no, that's but... easier. That's much easier. If you stand on the pegs on the back, or if you can like put your feet on those little nuts on the back, where if you don't have the pegs, that is a much easier way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Marta and isn't my... like a little ET in a basket. I mean, <laughs> she can't fit on the handlebars. <laughs> but you can sit on the handle. I just, I just thought that's in my mind, like when you're reading this. That's what I saw was her on the handlebars. You're right. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> it is kind of funny though when you watch when you watch this, um, you know when you watch this ep- watch the scene. Um, it's one of those things where you're like, whose legs are whose? <laughs> you know, because like you see like four mm-hmm. legs and two of them belong to Marta and two of them belong to Bartosh, but it's kind of hard to discern. <laughs> But it, it's it's a cool. It's one of the cooler images of the show. I think is this image of Bartosz. Uh, <laughs> That's where he has his cool hair. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I still don't like the hair, but it looks cool. Okay. All right. All right. So at the power plant, Alexander escorts Charlotte towards the nuclear reactor room. The yellow suits and accents are replaced with ones in red. Oh, yeah, that's right. The red suits instead of the yellow ones. That's a weird Mm -hmm. choice. I like the yellow better, personally. Well, the yellow is a little bit more universal, I think. You know, the whole caution. But um, Red's like a fashion statement, I think. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's a fashion statement, but we also have to remember that in World 1, the school is yellow. In World 2, the school is red. Correct. So, that's right. That's the colors of those worlds. I get it. I just like those yellow suits. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Helge walks towards the cave saying TikTok. Ulrich falls behind just like he did in World 1. He calls Charlotte. Charlotte, it's me. Listen, the stuff of the pennies. I know it sounds crazy, but the same thing happened with the body in the bunker. Have them run DNA tests. I don't know how, but the boy in the bunker is my brother. It's Mads. <laughs> yeah, so here we're kind of cheering Ulrich on. We're like, yay. In the other world, we were not cheering Ulrich on quite so much. We were like, don't <laughs> kill people. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. So then Bartosz and Marta's bike ride towards the power plant is interrupted when older Magnus and Francisca appear and block their path. So this is their time, Steve. <laughs> they got to leave. They got to leave the uh, Sigmundus and, and <laughs> for Deuce one minute. Back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marta too asks who they are. And Magnus says she should know. She speaks her brother's name, although this is the Magnus from World One. They are from the future, but from the other world. Magnus mm -hmm. says, they lied to you, your older selves. They don't want to prevent the apocalypse. They're the ones who are responsible for it happening. But there is a way to change everything. But you have to choose our world and trust him, Jonas. So their team, Adam, over here. Okay. Team Adam showing up in Team Martha World. <laughs> and so this is um, this is actually, this is kind of wild, Steve, and you probably already know that, but for our listeners, um, I want to point out that this is what happens right before this, these actions, they, this is where they're bringing Alt-Marta to 1888. Right, yes. So you know how we were, I was saying that Adam, you know, Marta says, you promised me that there would be a way to change everything. And this is how they're doing it right here. They say, okay, they, this is how they lure her <laughs> into <laughs> working with them. This is how they get Alt-Marta to work with Adam. Right. Yeah. One more step towards sad. becoming that Alt Martha. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And and here um I will say too. So I'm sort of wrong in what I said earlier too, where I said that Marta's the only one who dared to call him Jonas, because um Francisca oh. calls him Jonas here, but she didn't call him Jonas to his face. She said <laughs> Jonas as right. a way to humanize Adam to Marta. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. She knows the right words to say. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So Marta is surprised to hear that Jonas is alive. Francisca says that Jonas is alive in their world and he knows where the origin is. But before that, she must save Jonas from the apocalypse in his world and bring him into her world. Magnus offers Marta the chance to prevent the apocalypse by doing what they need her to do. However, whichever way you slice it, they are inviting her into a future that we have already seen. Mm -hmm. A future that will end in heartbreak. There is no redemption in this option. Jonas 
slash Adam won't actually try to stop the apocalypse, but he plans to use the apocalypse for his own aim. Right. Yep. For that paradise, quote unquote, of <laughs> darkness. <laughs> mm. Bartosh tries to get Marta to talk to him, but Marta thinks Bartosh should just come with them. Right. Fran Francisca says he doesn't belong with us. He belongs with the others. They will save him. Without giving Marta a further option, they set the Golden Globe. And so once again, Bartosh is left behind. Marta chooses Jonas again. The three figures disappear and Bartosh is left alone. Right. We do know we pick up with him later. But at this point, I was like, come on, <laughs> take him with you. But of course, I mean, you know, Francisca's right that, you know, he has like another mission, but he doesn't know that yet at this point. Big day for Bartosh, though. Big day for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I, f I like when you watch this stuff, it seems cool at the time, but I, I do think later on. We when we when we think about what happens at this point, it's really sad and upsetting. And um, sure, this is the first time that um, Martha's seen the the globe thing. Is that right, or has she traveled by that way before? Because I think at this point she's only traveled mm. through with Jonas. Yeah, she traveled with Jonas through the Aralux door in the cave. So yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's like we're getting like the full origin of Alt Martha here. And it's like she's Martha too, but she's being like led by and this Alt Martha is like being created by Adam in a way because he's like mm -hmm. pulling a lot of strings here and pulling her around. Yeah. So a voice says it's time. Adam has moved each of his pieces into position. It's time that we do the same. We cut to the vision of Marta with a huge gash in her left eye. This is the Marta who shot Jonas. Eva addresses Marta as well as a whole group of her foot soldiers. <laughs> she continues, this knot has given us life and we are its keepers in both worlds. She then moves down the line and starts to give each person orders. To Marta, she says he'll never be able to untie the knot and places her hand on Marta's belly. In all these years, he hasn't understood how everything is really connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that baby does have something to do with it, but yeah, yeah. I'll let you continue. <laughs> okay. Bartosh must save himself to save lots. The superhero. Right. Yep. Claudia must give herself to be their eyes in Adam's world. The spy. Egon, you must create your past to preserve the family tree. The ancestor. Hmm, okay. Noah, bring love to make everything new. Renewal. And no. then to older no Noah. <laughs> every that darkness. That was to older Noah. What? That wasn't that to older Noah? When she said bring um, love, no, that renewal? was that was young Noah. 
Okay, because I was like, if she's saying older Noah's bringing love and he's like killing kids, that doesn't make any sense to me. But well, the younger talking... Noah, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if, see, the, th- the thing is, I'm not sure if Noah is killing kids in this world. Well, Mads and all the other kids are missing. We see the posters. So I think so. It's the exact mirror of the other world. And then what's his name? Um, Killian's brother. Um, yeah, it's still happening. So it's still happening in some form, but I'm not sure if no, what Noah is doing because we we don't see him do anything. We don't see him do a thing right, in this right. in the story. Um, okay. And there's this, and again, Helge says she made him do it. So, yeah, I have questions. I have no answers, but I have okay. questions about that. Um, with. But to older Noah, she does say every darkness is followed by light. With every death comes a life. So ah, okay. he's doing something. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And with that, Eva flips her own switch and it's time for them all to travel. <laughs> they have suits. Okay. This crew has, is wearing their suits. And like, remember the unknown was not. Right. Um, Egon was the one that really like confused me here because everybody else I kind of got, but Egon, I was like, what is he doing here? What are you talking about? He's going to preserve the family tree. Um, And when I got to the end, I had to watch it a couple times and it kind of still doesn't make sense to me. We'll get there when we get there. But Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that Egon is like part of this crew now. It's like, I, I did not expect that at all. Yeah, no one expects an Egon. <laughs> <laughs> or the Spanish Inquisition, yes. <laughs> well, also, because, you know, in World One, Egon, we sort of, we saw the last of him. We know, we know his character died. And then we have, we get to see the young Egon um, that we know and that historian's in tragedy. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're really not expecting to see Egon Mm-mm. at all. But, um, he serves some sort of purpose here. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about it later. Love. Love. Yeah. Um here oh, we yeah. Go. Um one more thing I'm, about oh, oh go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, like, I thought you're gonna read your next paragraph and I was getting excited because we're getting to the to the um yeah, to the Silja part. But what were you gonna say? Um well I I didn't I forgot to write down the source for this, but somebody um, mentioned when she gives these orders, goes down the line that mm-hmm. um, to this, you know, this younger Noah, bring love to make everything new, that mm-hmm. they were seeing a connection with the story of Persephone. Um, I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yeah. that, but yeah, I am. The god um, Hades and every, you know, when it's spring, um, Persephone is like representative of spring coming and new birth and new life so they were saying like yeah yeah, they were saying like noah um like elizabeth is noah's persephone elizabeth is noah's okay 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 okay. yes yes absolutely (laughs) yes i thought you were saying saying elizabeth was adam's persephone i was like wait (laughs) but noah i do believe that Yeah, yeah i can see that so i thought that was a neat little Greek mythology thing because you know Ariadne and all that's all of course, a lot of Greek of mythology. Course. 
So in world one, Adam stands mutely as Marta begs for understanding and mercy. Adam brought her here and promised she could change things. Now she sits bound to a pile of debris right under the God particle. She asks mm -hmm. where the others are. He tells her they are all fulfilling their destinies. Francisca and Magnus, Charlotte and Elizabeth, Celia and Agnes. Okay, well, there's the name Celia. However, we don't know that, that who, who he's talking about. We don't. We don't. We don't. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're right and I'm right. We're both right. Okay. I was like, where's he? Where? When did they say Celia? Yeah, just when he was naming these names, and I got—I wrote down here that Silja was finally named for the first time. Yeah, and that this was this was not a romantic scene. I wrote that down too, just to mm -hmm. remind everybody this is not romantic. <laughs> they will all perpetuate the cycle so that the two of them can be right here, right now. Not romantic. I'll repeat that again. <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. What Adam's doing, like. Yeah. I, is this where he starts talking crazy and he's wearing his coat and he's like, <laughs> or does that come a little bit later? No, he's wearing the coat. He's, I mean, this must be the same coat, the captain coat. I mean, he looks. I don't like it. It's <laughs> super villainy. He turned into a super villain this episode. I didn't yeah, like he's that. He's a Bond villain. He's a Bond villain. Uh, yes. Yep. He is. Complete with scars and everything. That's typical of a Bond villain too, right? So Adam tells her that things have come to an end. The origin, the thing growing inside of her must die, but it can't be killed by normal means. It's born of both worlds and the energy of both worlds is needed to destroy it. The power of the apocalypse in both worlds will be directed onto this one point to destroy the origin mm -hmm. and the whole universe. Mm -hmm. As Marta sobs, Jonas rips the St. Christopher medallion from around her throat. <laughs> And he says the fateful words that we have heard so often. Wir sind falsch, du und ich, in deiner Welt und in meiner. And I've heard these words so often, I decided to write them out in Spanish. Because, I mean, Spanish. <laughs> 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 I decided we're going into 1899 mode. We're just using whatever language we want. No, uh, I decided to just print these in German because I'm like, we don't even need this interpreted anymore. Well, I do. What is he saying? You and me, we are perfect uh, for each other? We are wrong. You and I in your world and in mine. Okay, okay. I just recognize the du and each, but okay, yeah. Yeah, the wir sind falsch is like, we are false, we are wrong. You and I, du und ich, in deiner Welt, that's world, and in minor, und in minor. <laughs> yeah. Marta screams Jonas's name over and over again. Jonas's cold, Grinch-like heart seems to falter mm. for a minute, and then he starts up the machinery and pushes the lever forward. He seems like he's so proud of himself and, like, so proud of his machines at this yeah. moment and we're all hating them. We're not liking this choice. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you're wrong, Adam. I hope you're wrong. You're stupid. I don't like you. <laughs> Talk to him like I'm a five-year-old. 
Yeah. It is really, I don't know, really it's a power powerfully done scene. It's but it is it, it's terrible. It's terrible. Like ripping the St. Christopher medallion from around her throat. The only time we saw that mm-hmm. kind of imagery was um you know, was Katarina ripping it off of Helene's throat as she got murdered. And this is another type of murder right here. Yeah, it absolutely is. This counts. So we have the interlude, our montage. The music begins. The song is The Pioneers, and it's the M83 remix by Block Party. Terrible yeah, I wasn't name with this song. Terrible yeah, name ter- for a for a for a uh, for a band. I don't like. Oh, you think so? <laughs> it's, I like oh, it. It's kind of um, it's like one of those things like oh, we're gonna smell, we're gonna spell like kicks like K I X to be cool, <laughs> like because it's B L O C block party. <laughs> Doesn't that it gives it a different meaning though? Like it that's um, I think block actually stands for something de- else when it's spelled this way. So it's like okay. a double meaning kind of situation. Do you know what that something is, Steve? I could Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like I the do song. Not. I do like the song. I just I just think the name is kind of silly. I love their tiny desk performance on NPR. I saw that and they killed it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a big fan of M83. So I'm very familiar with their work and it when I when I was like oh. Oh, well, that makes sense. It's an M83, um, you know, production because I... I don't know I, M83. I thought that was just the name of this remix. I didn't know that was a band. So that's Oh, yeah. I've me. seen concert a bunch of times. It's another very uh, talented electronic band, Steve. I mean, we like the same kind of music, so I'm going to take your word on it. I'll check them out. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you which album that list to listen to after um, the episode. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's one of those things like they've, it's like, okay, if you're basic, you listen to this album. But if you're cool, you listen to this album. So I've got some strong opinions about M83. All right. So, oh, I get it too. Yeah. If I told yeah. you to listen to a Primus album and you listen to the wrong <laughs> one, you'd be like, this band sucks. But if I told you the right album to listen to, you'd be like, okay, I see this. All right. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what did I say here? Okay, in one world, <laughs> the younger and older unknown walk facing the bus stop in world two, and in world one, the middle-aged unknown takes the same path. They then walk towards the power plant. In world two, Elizabeth meets older Noah. He takes her to the bunker to meet younger Noah. Mm-hmm. Unlike in world one, Noah wears beige clothes instead of his black uniform. I mean, everybody, all the whole team wears beige clothes. Pretty much. Which I think is kind of boring. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, But Elizabeth and young Noah are the only ones in the bunker. Right. The put together Claudia meets unkempt Claudia. We saw this encounter earlier in the season. Actually, last episode. Older Bartosh, too, rescues his younger self, who was just abandoned by Marta. Stranger Marta appears at the Tanhouse factory in 1888 and places the letter on Stranger Jonas's desk. Just like in World 1, Jonas tried to destroy a letter that comes back to haunt him. She mm-hmm. also leaves the pocket watch nearby. This image confuses me a little because the factory looks 
much more up to date. And where are younger Magnus and Francisca? I didn't notice either one of those things or make that connection. I just um, went along with Stranger Marta's ride here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. If the factory is older, this is like a later time. Because I would have think this was like the same day. But um, yeah, but like the floors are like beautiful and everything's shiny. Um, I do. Hmm. There in in the next episode, there are some scenes that say they take place in 1890, and it looks like mm-hmm. this. So I guess this is somehow it's okay. two years later. That okay. Um, so it might be that actually when Stranger Marta's come, Stranger Marta comes to the Tanhouse Factory. It actually might be 1890 instead of 1888, but so it because it shows you Marta standing outside the factory, right? Then it cuts right. to Stranger Jonas inside, kind of moving some things into place. And mm-hmm. you just, I just noticed that like everything looks like it's been worked on. There's almost like oh, a parquet floor. That's you're exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So I guess it's actually like two years later. Okay. Maybe. Um, and, and again, I didn't notice, I didn't notice, uh, again, Magnus and Francisca, like he would think they would be working with him, Mm -hmm. but it's just him in there doing all the work by himself. And of course, Bartosh isn't there because he's annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yep. Um, okay. So I said, I have to stop and just say that Bartosh and Marta too were on their way to stop the apocalypse from happening. Yes. Both Magnus and Francisca, Adam's henchmen, and Bartosh, one of Eva's foot soldiers, distracted them both <laughs> from accomplishing that goal, which means neither team wants to stop the apocalypse. If we needed any further proof that both groups are lying, we have it. Bam. There you go. You're exactly right. <laughs> And yeah, I didn't I didn't make that connection too that two of them were Adam's henchmen and one of them was Eva's henchmen and they both diverged upon the group there to split them up. Good call. Yeah, cuz once Marta left, Bartosh could have been like, "Well, I'm still going to stop my dad." Right? But he didn't. Right. And this older Bartosh stops from doing so. Mhm. And um this was a prime opportunity for the stranger Martha and stranger Jonas to finally meet and hook up. Yes. yes. And it, did you notice that too? Yes, of course. <laughs> Missed opportunity right there. That could have been a whole, whole nother season right there. But, and the, and, you know, there could have been like the thing where like they maybe like adopted some kids and they get like a whole nother season out of like the kids stuff, like a stupid sitcom. Anyway, I'm going to let you continue because I have a lot more notes for the rest you have up here. (laughs) Okay. Stranger Jonas looks at the leftover residue from the goo ball that Alt-Marta left behind. Back on Adam's world, the unstable god particle begins to spin. Marta screams. The unknown gazes at the power plant keys in his hand. They use the keys to enter the volume control room in 1986. Ulrich II follows Helge into the cave and finds the red string and the Eret Lux door. Hannah pulls the gun out of her wooden box and considers shooting herself. 
Her plans are interrupted when she suffers a miscarriage. The lights flicker. Egon shows up and rescues Hannah somehow. We can only speculate what happens and how it connects to World One. We also see Katerina with her arms wrapped around Mikkel. They are in what was Mikkel's art studio in World One. Yeah, I thought that was starting from the last one there. I loved seeing Mikkel again. It's always a treat to see Mikkel because, like, you know, he's the perennial favorite. He was the he was the darling of episode one. Mm-hmm. So it's always great to come back to Mikkel. Um, I had to point out that, um, where are we at here? Egon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we get a clarify. I don't think we get any kind of clear clarification later on. So I'm going to speculate away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is Hannah in world two and she's pregnant with Ulrich's child. Right. And she has a miscarriage. So Egon is there to save her, not to save the baby because there's already blood. It's mm. already been miscarried. That baby is not being saved, but Egon is going to help her maybe get her to the hospital and then probably later on to time travel her. No, not to time travel her. My whole point here is that a baby is born. (laughs) We know that there's a baby that is born of Hannah, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I mean, We don't th- see, so if I may, um, one person says their thoughts, their theory is that he takes Hannah, Egon takes Hannah to the 1950s to right. hook up with younger Egon. Yeah, that's what I was going with that. Yes. Mm. However, for that to be a, what happens, then you would think there would be a cilia too but i don't know if we ever see more than one cilia so does it mean that she doesn't exist or that she's not in this world but we never really see such a thing but they say that he needs to like preserve the family tree though yes yes she yes that's a good point um that's a good thing to bring up. She says that. So it seems um, like he's. Egon um, must create your past to preserve the family tree. Yeah. I mean, Bartosh is like stands up from like a superhero landing. So that was kind of cool. The uh, older Bartosh. Oh, yeah. Like, like he was kneeling like and he stands in. <laughs> well, like the, I don't know, like. I don't. I know you don't really watch um, Marvel stuff. I'm from. I'm very familiar. I don't watch okay. them, but I'm familiar. But they have what's called the super, <laughs> the superhero yes, landing, yes. where the fist is on the ground and everything. Yes. And um, in the movie Black Widow, um, Florence mm-hmm. Pugh kind of says, "Why do you always have to stand up like that?" And, and she like, there's this running joke that she's like trying to make sure she perfects the superhero landing. She's like nailed it because <laughs> she needs to look cool. Um, 
Well, when I see the superhero land and I think about squirrels, because like, have you ever seen those memes of like squirrels when they fall out of a tree and they always do the superhero landing if you freeze frame or just the right moment. So there's lots of like memes of squirrels doing the superhero stance. That's funny. <laughs> I have never seen that before. You will now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking for some squirrel memes after this. <laughs> Okay, so Adam closes his eyes as the god particle becomes a tornado that swallows Marta. Her destruction is terrible. Her screams intense and haunting. In 2019, World 2, Alexander and Charlotte enter the nuclear reactor room. Mm -hmm. Unlike in World 1, the barrels have not been hidden yet. Um, so they're not on that, or that fake floor or anything that for Klaus mm -hmm. to say, break the floor apart. <laughs> Alexander, once again, is trying to come clean. He opens a yellow barrel. I'm not sure what he was trying to accomplish here. The unknown turns a wheel and releases some valves, and the black matter in the barrel rises into tendrils and becomes a huge black balloon. The apocalypse explodes as Magnus and Francisca watch. Such a neat way to end the ending in the episode with the two of them getting zapped up with their with their love. Um, yeah, I think he opened up the barrel just to like show um, uh, Charlotte uh, because they were in their suits to be safe to show her so. And he could be like, oh, this stuff is illegal and, you know, we're bad people and Hannah's going to narc us out. So, like, yeah, like you said, he's trying to come clean. But the mo more important thing here is the unknown. Um, I still don't love the unknown, but I understand this makes sense now why there's three of them. This finally makes sense so that one, so that one of them can go to Jonas's world to do the apocalypse. And then he can send his kid and then the older version to do the Martha apocalypse so that the young version can learn from the old guy so that they can perpetuate everything that's happening. So like the three unknowns finally make sense to me just with this episode alone. So I'm okay with them now. Kind of. <clears throat> yeah. Visually you have this, you have this strange um, image of the, the older, you know, of course the middle-aged unknown he's by himself. So he does everything turns the wheel and all that. But in world, the other world, um, the older unknown is turning the valves and the young unknown is like holding a piece of paper with like the directions mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Turn yeah. wheel three times. And you know, like it just, yeah. <laughs> He's learned to be a good little unknown. That's, you know, it's great. Getting his homework in. This yeah. is homeschool for the guy, right? Homeschool, I guess. <laughs> but it creates yeah, some really cool um, of those mirror images. You've got. Um, oh, yeah. You know, where they're like walking into doorways and it looks like they're walking to into each other almost. I love and it. Sometimes yes. they're facing opposite directions. Sometimes they face each other. And so, yeah. Yeah, you got the great image here on your one of my stories website where you got like the, the machinery and the three guys standing there doing their thing in the two worlds. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that picture and put it on my Instagram. Hope you know that I'm not going to pay you for it. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, we got to talk. I guess Adam here. What mm. does he think he's doing? He, 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 can I go into my least favorite people of the episode? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, before we do, before we do that, I think we do need to, I've, I've, I'm like, okay, I've sort of failed here. We haven't really okay. said anything about, well, we haven't said anything about the fact that like Adam is like, okay, we, it's in the recap, but Adam takes Marta and puts her on this big pile of debris and ties mm-hmm. her up. She's in her underwear and puts mm-hmm. the full force of both apocalypses on her. And what do you think about that plan, Steve? I mean, if you if you really truly believe that that's the origin, then it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, it, it really does. It. it doesn't have to be like so cruel and like villainy about it. I guess that's TV for you. It's part of a TV show. But it seems mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it could have been a lot nicer. He could have just like put her in a nice room and like <laughs> gave her like a poison meal and, you know, like she <laughs> wouldn't even know about it and gave her a sweet kiss. Good night, my dear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess in his mind, he thinks that the God particle has to be the killing blow. And uh, maybe he's right. Uh, I don't know. But I have a feeling that he's wrong. But um I mean, I feel the same way about this scene as I do about the Elizabeth scene from last episode with Isaac Dentler. It's like this is a a, a long, drawn-out scene that I don't particularly enjoy, and it has like a tinge of evil to it. Um, I know Adam thinks he's doing the right thing here, but he sure is going about it in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I got to say about it. Yeah, it's it's pretty cruel, but I guess in a way, maybe he has to do it this way because underneath all of that scarring, there is a person underneath and he has to sort of dehumanize Marta in a way. Um, Why would he have to? Why do you think he would tell himself he has to do that? Oh, to make it easier to kill her, I guess? Yeah. That's Jonas under there. That doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) He can't be kind. He can't like be kind about it. He needs to separate himself. Um, He's got a picture of these baby boys (laughs) in his his diary. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, he even changes his name too. Um, Mm -hmm. So you could say that is like another way to separate himself from Jonas and Marta. Because he's not Jonas anymore. Now he's somebody else. Yeah. Oh, so the letter. What I want to say about the letter is that, again, it's one of these things that, like, oh, it's obvious. But it's, like, something I just realized that last night. I was like, okay, so how did Noah get Marta's letter? At the end of season two, Stranger Jonas is inside his house. And... He's like, I'm going to wait for Adam with the gun. And it's then delivered by T. Noah to Jonas. And he says, here's this letter. 
Jonas then reads the letter, and that's when he leaves the house and goes to rescue Bartosz, Francisca, and Magnus and takes them with him to 1888. Jonas. So when Noah gives the letter to Stranger Jonas, it's not really a message from Marta to him. It's a message from Adam to make Stranger Jonas leave the house. <laughs> okay. All right. Then later, Stranger, once Jonas grows up to be Stranger Jonas, then he burns the letter. So the letter hmm. is sort of, is bootstrapped through time, you know, like it's written later than it's the, you know, used or believed and it's destroyed in the past way before it's written. I'm still not fully on board. I, um, I feel like I need to go back and either rewatch that episode or re-listen to our um, discussion about it. Cause I'm, okay. yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little floored and unpre unprepared here um, with that question. Lindsay, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> you flustered me. <laughs> Well, it's it's taken me it's taken me thirty three years <laughs> to figure out the, the journey of the letter, Steve. Congrats. <laughs> I feel like it feels like we're we're like an Eva Adam pair because I'm like Steve doesn't still doesn't see how it's all connected. And Lindsay's a logical one over there. That's right. <laughs> but yes, that like could be I could be wrong, so feel free to poke holes in my theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's to the listeners not to me so listeners help me out <laughs> and yeah well no it is to both everybody so anywho's yes let's should we now talk about favorite characters least favorite characters absolutely um who goes first we rock paper scissor knit or what you want to do i don't know what i'll be gracious and let you go first okay favorite character this episode she wasn't exactly a standout but just knowing what she has orchestrated, Eva by a mile. Like, whoa, Eva, Eva, Eva. And I'm going to go in and say, I'm going to just bust right in here and say, my least favorite is Adam. Adam is screwing up here, murdering Martha, right? He thinks he's got all these answers. He wants to end it all. But what is Eva doing? Eva is like organizing. She's got this whole crew. She's got all these people. She's got this elaborate plan to intermingle in with Adam's world. I think she's got her head on her shoulder a lot better than Adam does. So my least was Adam by a mile. You can see why. I dare you to say anybody else is worse. <laughs> and I I I I gotta give it to Eva for the mirroring reason. You gotta mirror these things, right? Jonas and Martha, Adam and Eva. She did she did a great job this episode. A lot of planning. You just preemptively <laughs> broke in there with your least favorite character. I had to because I had to explain why she was my favorite, because Adam was my least favorite. So it makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, I was So how about you? Well, I was I was not surprised. Uh, I was not expecting you to say Eva. Okay. So now that makes that makes my MVP a little more tricky because I was expecting you to pick one of these other people, and I then I picked the other one. Who were you expecting <sighs> me to pick? Okay. Um. Well, I put down Alexander 
or Bartosh? You thought that I would pick one of them? For your favorite, yeah. But Yeah, I mean Because you've been like defending Bar- Bartosh the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have because I ha- I do like Bartosh a lot. You're um, like Bartosh for the haircut. <laughs> yeah. And for the bike ride. He gave her a ride. That's cool. <laughs> um so I'm gonna say the reason I would have picked Alexander is just because I feel like he's got a he's got a true redemption arc in this episode. He's trying to do oh, the right yeah. thing, even though yeah, I still don't I know what I know you were saying, oh, he just wanted to show Charlotte, but it's like, in what world is that like a good idea? Let's open these barrels and be like, <laughs> look what I put in here. Surprise. And then and it caused an apocalypse. So there is not even a Clausen. Yeah. Um, but I guess I will give it to Bartosh because I'm actually a secret nice. Bartosh stan. I mean, like, I've been like a uh-huh. fan. Like, <laughs> I think he's the, the thing that's cool about Bartosh is because they position him from the, in the, from the get go to be almost like a school foe, like a frenemy to Jonas. Yeah, that's right. And so yep. we're, we're almost groomed to not like Bartosh from the beginning. <laughs> but by the end, we kind of see, you really feel for Bartosh, but it's not a pity vote. I mean, he really is, does have a lot of great assets. He's a very loyal friend and he does, um, probably his main weakness is he's a little bit of a sucker for women, I would say, but um but yeah, he gets thwarted by women all the time. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, he was like, he got some bad news from his dad. He didn't reject Marta. He tries to help her and then he gets left and abandoned. And so I'm glad his older self came in to rescue him. <laughs> I'm glad you picked him because I didn't. So I'm glad that you picked it up. So yeah. But Heck I did. I'm glad I also did get a chance to to say some nice things about Alexander too, because I feel like Alexander's <laughs> trying. But yeah, he raised Bartosh, so you know, yeah. good job. Our LVP is going to have to be Adam across the board. Oh yeah, thank you. I'd be upset if you said somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't really think I have anything I need to add to what you said. It's um. <laughs> He's very cold in his actions. Yeah. The only thing the only thing nice I can say about Adam is he does have a good sense of fashion. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. Even though, you know, a tan suit, I don't know. We know how we feel about tan suits. I don't know about that. Season one, Adam. I mean, it looked nice and sharp, but I would have picked a darker color. But mm. another another knock against Adam for the color of his suit. <laughs> And for what he did to Martha. But yeah, the next episode is episode seven, which is the in-between time one. That one feels like it's going to be a treat because I really Mm -hmm. remember that one as being like a super fun episode before the finale. And I know that like, you know, we love deja vu, but I think like between times, I think is what it's called. The next one. Mm hmm. Massively looking forward to it. Massively looking forward to watching it again. Because I remember the first time I watched it. um, It just, I mean, after watching this episode, 
And then the way episode seven starts off, um, it's just a great juxtaposition and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything else to wrap us up with. So where do you want to plug? Where do you want to point people to this week? Well, I wanted to let everybody know that I am in two critics groups. One of them is the Southeastern Film Critics Association. The other is North Carolina Film Critics Association. Today, Southeastern Film Critics Association released their awards for the year. I have made a post on one of my stories about that. So if you like hearing about movies, like what, you know, this isn't the Oscars. This is the ones we as members of this group have awarded, but you can check cool. out that winner's list if you would like. I am more slightly more invested in the NC Film Critics Association as that's the group I'm more involved in. We will be, they will be releasing their winners closer to the beginning of January. Okay. But I am going to be making a podcast on Wednesday. So two days from now, I'm going to be doing a podcast with a few other of the NC Film Critics to talk about what our nominations are. Unlike Southeastern, Ooh. North Carolina actually makes a nomination list first, and then we choose winners. So it's a little bit more of a process. And I'm excited to get to talk to some of my fellow members about the picks and kind of what might be the actual winners. So it's just going to be like a speculation about that. Okay. Um, I will also be making my personal top 10 movies list. Not sure when that will be in. I'm going out of town this week and I won't be back for a while. But um, the last thing I wanted to promote is just that I made a discovery last night that Flynn Edwards, who played Elliot in 1899, and Steve already saw this, but it turns out he is in The Crown, which is <laughs> one of my guilty pleasures, a show I really enjoy. Same. And this, um, and Elliot played the young Prince Harry. And I Little was like, Harry. yeah, <laughs> I was just surprised because, um, like I had already watched the first, they did season six. They did like a part one and a part two, which is an annoying mm -hmm. thing they're doing now. But part <laughs> one, the first four episodes released. And now in part two, Prince Harry is now a teenager. So they have a different actor portraying him. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite episodes was the episode four of season six, where they kind of show the aftermath. I think the actual the name of the episode is Aftermath. And they show um, a recreation of when Harry and William and Philip and Charles all did the march and walked behind the coffin of Diana. Oh, and God. I was sitting yeah. there watching this. It was one of my favorite moments of the whole series. And I was like, I recognize that face. But I was like, no, that can't be. <laughs> Would they have had a German actor? I guess well, I don't know what nationality Flynn is, as a matter of fact. But I was like, would they have had someone that wasn't British playing? Um, but he was British, wasn't he? Mm -hmm, sure was. 
So and there you go. I guess he actually might be Welsh. I mean, I think the name Flynn is like a Welsh name. I'll have to look up the origin. But anyway, he's in the show and he's he's wonderful. So it was just great to see another 1899 cast member in the wild. I know. I love to see him too. It's great. I'm glad. I would have never known that. And it was cool that, you know, you shouted him out. Um, he responded. And I wondered, I was like, hey, I wonder if anybody else is like pointing this out to the guy. And like, he's been waiting for somebody to recognize him. And, uh, and you gave him his flowers. So good job. Well, he actually, I, when I went to look at his Instagram, he had made posts to share like, oh, it was in the crown. But I guess I missed that. I'm not sure. I am subscribed to him, but I don't know. But um, I don't know. Insta Instagram doesn't show you everybody's stuff all the time, especially when you like subscribe to a lot of people. I miss a ton of stuff on Instagram. It just happens. Yeah. But do you have anything to promote, Steve? I would like our listeners to go check out one of my stories and look at those top 10 movies of 2023, because that's what I'm looking forward to. I've been waiting for this. So that's my only plug is I want to see those top 10 movies of 2023, too, because um, I didn't go out to see a lot of movies and uh, me and Heather are anxious to check them out. Um, so yeah, no plugs here. Just, I'm happy people are listening to Sweet Shot of Time. I'm happy you're providing our recaps for us. Um, yeah. And we're at the two and a half hour mark here. So I guess we'll start tailing it out. Um, so yeah, thanks again for providing the recap for us, Lindsay. And thanks for joining me once again. It's always a pleasure. You're welcome, Steve. Thank you. And our, thank me. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And then to all our listeners out there, I hope you all always find water and shade and shoes. Bye. Bye.